hour. Our third reading this morning comes to us from Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. Not 50. Um, Through the end of the chapter. Listen for God's word to you. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives the sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father is perfect. Your Father in heaven is perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So one night in November of 1997, I don't have the date, I'm sorry, but um, but it was in November of 1997, we... Um, I decided that we needed to cut our cable. We were we were kind of on the front edge of the cable cutting movement, except uh, there weren't streaming services in those days. It was really just a decision to get rid of cable. And the reason for that was because I had seen the episode of Law and Order that was in reruns. I'd seen it about four or five times, and I didn't want to watch it again. And the only other thing I watched during that time slot was um, CNN Crossfire. And I don't know if you remember CNN Crossfire. It was one of the very pioneering cable yelling at each other shows. And they would, they would bring two guests on either side of an issue and they would, they would yell at each other for 22 minutes and the other eight minutes were commercials. And I, I watched it, uh, uh, somewhat regularly. And, um, that night I found myself getting angry, which is of course the point. And, um, I said, you know what? I don't need this. I don't need to just, you know, one more thing in my life to get me angry. So I said, we're, we're, we're getting rid of our cable. And Margot, who hardly ever watched TV anyway, she was okay with that. So the next day we canceled our cable. And um, that was pretty much it uh, for a long time. And I was thinking about that because this week, um, you may have heard, I can't imagine you, that somehow you managed to miss the stories about the Covington High School kids. Who, who here um, has seen the stories about the Covington High School kids? Okay, so a lot of hands. All right, so this may remind you. So uh, this is the picture of the, uh, the kids who went to the um, uh, March for Life in Washington, D.C. last weekend, and um, uh, they were wearing their uh, Make America Great hats, and they were confronted by a man named Nathan Phillips, who, um, who uh, 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 is a Native American and who uh, uh, beat his drum in their face, and you can see that the one of them uh, smiled or smirked at him, and that then went on uh, and, and went viral. And then over the next couple of days, there was this flurry of, well, wait a minute, it's it's more complex than that. Um, it wasn't just a kid who was smirking at a Native American. I've seen some of the footage uh, that was not part of that original viral uh, uh, thing, and um, I... I tend to lean on this. Uh, I'll just be honest. I think that the kids got a raw deal by social media, but that's social media for you. So um, maybe you saw some of the response that people uh, gave. Uh, somebody said, um, have you ever seen a more punchable face than this kid's? Um, and I thought, 
well, I don't know if we should be as as unforgiving to 16-year-olds. I, I think of some of the things I did when I was 16 or even when I was 26, and I think there needs to be some space in the world for people to make mistakes. I'm not persuaded that this kid made any mistakes. I think actually you should reward 16-year-olds for being civically engaged. Even if you disagree with their politics, I think it's a good thing for people to be thinking outside of their own narrow narrow interests and, and be thinking about uh, the, the wider community. So I think it's a good thing. I don't think they should be punched. But punching was just one of the things that was proposed. Uh, somebody, uh, um, somebody that on uh, Twitter they call a blue check mark. Uh, somebody who's an authorized, you know, an, an official user who's gone to the trouble of being um, uh, certified as an official person uh, said that they should be fed into a wood chipper. Um, somebody else said that they should be put in their school and then the school should be burnt down. And uh, so, so in other words, it was really just kind of another weekend on Twitter because Twitter is a cesspool. Um, maybe, maybe you saw this. Uh, um, CNN's uh, Powers, uh, Kirsten Powers, deleted her Twitter app. She said, she said uh, so many times she has said to herself, I need to get off Twitter, and I keep not doing it, and I keep regretting it. So she made a point of getting off Twitter. And um, I think that that's probably a good idea. But um, it, there's not just Twitter. There's other social media platforms. And, of course, there's the, the traditional news media, the newspapers and, and cable news and so forth. And we have a lot more cable news channels now than we did in 1997. And as far as I can tell, they spend a lot more time shouting at each other because I see them in the morning at the gym. So even with a four-hour time zone difference, I'm still thinking, when do they start the yelling at each other? But apparently it's very early. Um, so... It just seems to me that America has become uh, more angry and more unforgiving over the past couple of years, that not enough people followed my early adopter model and uh, unplugged it. And I say that not because I'm a superhuman who's, who's always loving. I said it because I could feel the bile rising up in me. And I said, this is not taking me to a good place. It's not that I'm good. It's that I wanted to not be worse. So, so um, I see America... Um, becoming angry, and um, not only that, we're being shamed if we're not angry enough. Um, I don't know if you've seen this t-shirt. This is from Black Life Matters. It says, if you're not angry, you're not paying attention. But it's not just Black Life Matters. This is from the Tea Party. It says, if you're not angry, you're not paying attention. This is from a net neutrality march, and the woman in white says, if you're not angry, you're not paying attention. And this is from Occupy Wall Street. If you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. So if you're not angry, it's not that you have a peaceful, calm demeanor. It's that you're not paying attention. You should be ashamed that you're not angrier at how bad things are. So all of this was kind of coming up in my mind this past weekend as, and, and during the week as people tried to unpack the whole Covington High School thing. And I just thought, what is this desire we have to be so angry and so unforgiving? Why do we want to be that way. And so that's what I want to talk about today. We're in a series called Uncluttered. Um, the idea is we're looking at spiritual disciplines, and there's all kinds of spiritual disciplines, but the ones we want to look at particularly are the ones where Jesus taught his disciples how we could have uncluttered lives. And the reason for that is that if you're like me, you don't have room for the other ones, that you've got to unclutter your life first, and then when your life is a little bit uncluttered, then you can take on some of the other spiritual disciplines like solitude and silence and things like that. So we're starting with the idea of unclutter. 
And um, uh, we began with Sabbath, and then we looked last week at sleep. And the idea was that that God wants to bless us. These things are not burdens that God is, you know, attaching to us. And unless we can somehow uh, uh, withstand the the effort, then God won't bless us. Rather, these are the blessings that God offers to us, so that we can have simpler, more uncluttered lives. And today we're going to look at um, forgiveness. Um, I could look at anger just as just as well. I mean, in fact, the passage we're going to look at today, Paul has just finished talking about anger. But it seems to me, ang- anger by itself is kind of a uh, a momentary thing. But uh, if it's unresolved, if nothing comes of that anger, then it develops into other things. And so I want to look at kind of some of the downstream um, effects of that. So, so. Um, uh, we know that we know that we're not the first generation to deal with this. We may be the first generation to have Twitter and other social media platforms, but we're not the first generation to deal with anger. And we know that uh, because we see it all through the first century writings in the New Testament. And um, uh, you may have noticed Jesus talked about having enemies himself. He said, he said, you have heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say love your enemies. And you may say, well, you know, I don't know if I'd call, you know, that guy at work my enemy, you know kind of a jerk, you know, or, or you know, my, my mother-in-law or, or, you know, the guy down the hall. You know, you may not think of them as your enemy, but you, you kind of say, well, that's just too strong. But isn't it interesting that Jesus assumed that you would have energy, enemies? Jesus didn't say, boy, if you're a good Christian, you won't have any enemies at all. You'll just kind of glide through life and nothing will ever bother you. Jesus assumed that his followers would have enemies. So I want to talk about, about what... Uh, the the New Testament teaches us if you have enemies, if there are people who hurt you or who have hurt you or who are planning to hurt you, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with forgiving them particularly? And um, so what I want to do is I want to look at um, the passage we heard from Paul in the, in the letter to the Ephesians. Now, Paul has spent the, the letter to the Ephesians, the way that they divided it later on is they people a uh, uh, thousand years later divided up into chapters. And the first three chapters are Paul talking about um, uh, the theology of salvation, what it is that God has done for us. He explains in some great detail the ways that God has blessed us in Jesus Christ. But then he, he pivots in chapter 4 and begins talking about um, how we can then live into that, into that uh, salvation that Jesus has, has given us. So he begins talking about living um, uh, Christian lives. And the passage we're going to look at is just after one where he talked about anger. So if you're saying, you know, it's not so much for me unforgiveness, it's the anger, right? You know, I need to turn off my cable TV or something, right? If you're like me, then maybe anger is what you need to deal with. But I want to talk about unforgiveness today. Even Paul says some, some interesting things here. So, um, so uh, let's go ahead and take a look at uh, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 30. So Paul says, um, Paul says, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. And um, my, my Bible has a little note here at the bottom. It says, it says he has put his seal on you, that, that you are sealed in the Holy Spirit. So that, so that this is not about whether or not you get, it, get to go to heaven when you die. This is, this is, that's already happened. He's already put his seal on you. Okay, you're protected. You will go to heaven when you die, whatever, you know, this is not about pleasing God. This is about how you have a better, richer life. Um, and so, so how do you do that? Um, he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, 
as well as all types of evil behavior. Now, you know, if you're kind of checking off a box and saying, well, I only have three of those, that's okay. Um, but what, what he's getting at here is he's talking about this kind of spectrum where we start with, with bitterness, right? That person did me no good back when, and, and it always kind of rankles in me. Whenever I think about it, I'm bitter. So Paul's talking about that internal seething feeling that you have when, when somebody has done you wrong. And, and then he kind of paints this spectrum that goes through different uh, levels of of outward uh, uh, evidence of that. So anger is when other people can see it. You know, they look at you and they say, okay, well, he's angry about something. I don't know what. Harsh words is when it starts becoming clear what it is that you're angry about, um, all the way up to slander, where slander is when you, you're not even using the harsh words on the person who offended you. Now you're going out trying to destroy their reputation. So, so it's like that person, if you knew what that person did to me. So Paul says, get rid of all of them. And then if you say, well, I don't know if I would describe the way I relate to, to you know, my mother-in-law as, as uh, slander, um, Paul says, look, just all types of evil behavior. He says, you know, don't, don't, don't play word games with me. He has this kind of catch-all uh, phrase. He says, get rid of all of it. And instead, he says, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, and forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So... That's it. I'll pray and then we'll leave. Or, or maybe you're thinking it's not so easy. As, as the meme world puts it, one does not simply let it go. There are things that you may find difficult to simply let go. And, uh, maybe this is one of them. And, and if, if you, you know, if you have something that you have trouble forgiving someone for, if you have been hurt, then, um, you may say, you know, it isn't that easy. You know, the cute little Elsa's one thing, but but honestly, I've been hurt, and it has cost me a lot. And it's not simply a matter of well, let it go. And so, I understand that. But remember, we we said as we began this journey a couple of weeks ago that the 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 life that Christian that, that Christians are offered by Jesus is not necessarily an easier life, but it is a better life. The reason that discipline's kind of got this negative term where a lot of people think discipline means punishment, the reason it kind of took on that negative tone is because some things are very hard and we don't like doing hard things. So the idea here is not that this is easy. If you just let it go, then everything will be easy. The idea is, will this lead to a better life? So so the first thing is that, that it may be harder. It may be that you cannot simply let it go. But the other thing is you don't really have an alternative. And you don't have to believe me. Go talk to your doctor or talk to your therapist. We are not made to carry a burden of unforgiveness with us. We, we just aren't. And again, you can, you can check with your, your advisor of choice, whoever that may be. It's bad for your blood pressure. It's bad for your sleep. It certainly is bad for your relationships, including the relationships with other people who have nothing to do with, with uh, whatever it is that you're, whatever burden of unforgiveness you're carrying. That uh, it is bad for us to carry a burden of unforgiveness. And, and we all know this. And uh, Christians explain this by saying the reason is we are made in God's image. That God made us like himself and God is a forgiving God. Oh Lord, the psalmist says, you are so good, so ready to forgive, so full of un- lo- unfailing love for all who ask for your help. That this is who God is. And if we are made in God's image, then we were designed to be forgiving. And when we hold on to grudges, when we hold on to our bitterness, when we nurse our anger, we are carrying a burden that we are not designed to carry. And of course, it's going to come out in the various seams of our life. So I read somebody who said this. I, I like this quote. 
that carrying a burden of unforgiveness is like taking poison and hoping that someone else will die. It's just not going to work. So, how do we do this? How do we forgive people? Well, Paul tells us we should imitate God in everything we do. In other words, that is the goal. The first thing is to set the goal. I'm going to be like God because I know I was made to be like God. So I am going to be forgiving. I will imitate God in everything I do because I'm his dear children. Not because I need this to make him love me. He already loves me. But because I want to be like my heavenly father. We know that this is what God is like. The other thing God says is, um, in Isaiah, he says to the prophet, I will blot out your sins for my own sake. God does this because he doesn't want to carry a burden around. That God doesn't forgive us because of, you know, whatever, you know, psychological reasons we might come up with why God wants to forgive us. God does it for his own sake. He is not the kind of God who wants to carry a grudge. And again, we are like that. So we need to realize this is not something we're doing for the other person. We're not doing it because they need forgiveness. We're doing it because we need to forgive them. So that's that's the first idea. The second idea is to do it today, right? You don't have to ask for permission. You don't have to to find out if they want to be forgiven. Uh, you certainly don't have to wait for an apology. And in fact, I would advise against waiting for an apology because we are so bad at asking for apologies today. Um, you may have seen, you know, have you ever read the stuff you get from your car insurance company? What do they tell you to do if you get into a car accident? They tell you to zip it, right? Don't admit fault. Right, and I think that that's just simple, symptomatic of the fact we do live in an angry, litigious society. Right, we don't admit fault. So yes, you can. You know, if I am a congressman or a Hollywood producer or a stand-up comic, yes, I may do something so bad it's a career-ending thing that I that I do the apology. Right, I do the 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 kind of non-apology thing. I'm sorry um, uh, if you were offended. Right, but but not. I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry that. You're, you're so shallow that it bothered you, right? So you get the non-apology thing. You get the thing where they say, where they say, um, mistakes were made, right? You know, it's like, you know, some, you know, other thing just caused that to happen, right? So mistakes were made. We get that kind of apologies. We get, we're, we're terrible at making apologies. And so don't wait for an apology. You can do this on your own. Like, like God says, I will do this for my own sake. And why do we do that? Because because we're not designed to carry the burden. I had someone come into my office once. I was meeting with them, and they told me about something that had happened to them, and it was it was pretty ugly. And they said that they hated the other person. And I said, you know, I probably would too if I were in your position. I'm not saying that hate is not a natural response to the way that you were treated. And maybe you've got something in your life where you can say, yes, and there's somebody that I am thinking of. I can picture their face in my mind. Um, they are living rent-free in my head because because they've done me wrong. And if I knew your story, I might nod and say, yes, you have been done wrong. But I still counsel you what I counseled them. I said, I said, don't wait for an apology. Forgive them now so you don't have to carry it around anymore. I like this quote. Again, I, I picked up these quotes over the years. Abandon all hope of a better past. Right? <laughs> you know, that's, that's what forgiveness really is. It's saying, you know what? You know, 
dad walked out. You know, he left my mom and me, and we just have to deal with it, right? It's saying, it's saying that the, 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 the business deal that, that we were, we were in perfect partnership right up until the point where he took all the money and ran. You know, whatever it is, whatever it is you're thinking about, it's not going to get better. So all you can do is let it go. So how do we do that? Here's the, here's the process that I've heard, um, and, and I'll explain where it comes from in a minute. So, so what you do is you picture that, whatever it is, whatever it is that you need to forgive someone for. So, so, you know, you know, you, you left us dad and, and, you know, mom had, had to do this or, or, uh, you never came to my baseball games or whatever it is, whatever it is you're thinking of, think of what that is and take a sheet of paper and write that down. Okay. That is the debt. That is the debt they owe you. They should have stuck around. They should have come to your baseball game. They shouldn't have stolen the money and destroyed the partnership. That's the debt they owe you. So write that down. And then underneath it, write, you don't owe me anything. Right? The debt is canceled. Because you have that agency. You can say, you are never going to make my childhood better. You are never going to fix the problem with the business. You're never going to do it, and I'm going to quit waiting for it. I am canceling that debt now. And you have that authority. You don't have to get an apology from them first. So you write on the, you write on that little bill you created, you write at the bottom, you don't owe me anything. And if you can't, if you want, you've got the debt there and you're starting to write and you realize it would be a lie because you still think they do owe you. Here's what you write instead. Write the date that you will cancel it. Ask yourself the question, how long are you going to carry that on your books? You know, it's bad paper. How long are you going to carry that worthless debt on your books? Say, you know what? 30 days should do it. Or 90 days. Or 7 years. But write a date and say, at that date, I will quit carrying this paper on my books. I will forgive this debt. It's interesting to me that the New Testament language for, for debts is the same as in English. The word for forgiveness actually is a, is a, um, accounting term. It means to let something go, to write something off. So, uh, we use the same language in English. We talk about forgiving debts. And, uh, it's the same thing in the New Testament. So, pick a date and say, I'm not gonna carry it any longer. And then keep that sheet of paper. Right? Because you're going to need to refer back to it. <laughs> Peter came to him, came to Jesus one day and said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? And he thinks seven is the big number. Seven's as big as a number gets, right? To a, to a Middle Eastern mind in the first century. And Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. More numbers than you can count, right? If, if we might say, should I forgive them a thousand times? It's like Jesus saying, no, forgive them a zillion times, right? 70 times seven. Just keep on forgiving them. And my favorite interpretation of that passage is from C.S. Lewis, and he says, Jesus was probably talking about the same thing, but you will have to keep forgiving them because it will keep coming back up. It's like draining the poison from a wound. Eventually, it will all come out. But it's one thing to say, uh, like the Elsa cartoon showed, it's one thing to say, I've let it go. It's another thing for that to be the reality. So keep the piece of paper and and hold on to it because you need, may need to remind yourself, oh no, I canceled that debt. Should you tell the other person? Maybe. 
That's not important. It may be helpful, um, but but this is not about them. This is about you. And it may be that, that they what they need to hear is they need to hear that they've been forgiven. Or it may be that they just are sailing through life as happy as can be because they don't feel like they've done anything wrong. And that's their problem. It's not yours. All you can do is let it go. So maybe you should tell them, maybe you shouldn't. But this isn't about them. It's about you. Now, everything I've said so far is is in the Bible, but it is basically worldly wisdom. And you can go to counselors who will tell you essentially the same thing. But I want to add one more thing, and this is just for Christians. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is for you. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, then the first part should should get you uh, where you want to go. But Christians are promised one more thing, which is that we have a helper. You remember at the beginning of this passage, Paul says, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Paul reminds the the Ephesians, he says, the Holy Spirit of God has come and dwelled inside you. He dwells inside you. He lives in you. And he can be grieved by the way you live your your life. That the, the way you carry out your life may make him sad. But the same Holy Spirit who can, who can be grieved by our, be, our failing to live into what, what Christ has done for us, he's also there to give us the power to achieve the things that he wants. He's there to transform us by his power. So, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, then you can forgive better. And it's interesting because in in our translation, in fact, most of the translations I looked at, they tell us to get rid of all bitterness. It says get rid of all bitterness and um, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. Um, but the actual uh, Greek language that the, the scriptures are written in um, actually uses the passive voice. It's that mistakes were made voice, right? You know, Paul says literally what he says is let all bitterness be removed. He's saying there is someone who will help you with this. You don't have to do it on your own strength or in your own power. And unfortunately, most of the translations I looked at missed that nuance. They're saying, well, just do this. And maybe maybe you have to start there. You have to say, all right, I may not be able to follow through, but I can get started. Okay, And then the Holy Spirit will come along and take the part that I can't. So why do we do this? We do it because Jesus taught us. But Jesus taught us that he wants us to be perfect. He says, if we do this, we will be like our Heavenly Father. And the reason he wants us to be like our Heavenly Father is because he wants the church to be different. He wants people to look at the church and say, I don't know about those Christians. <coughs> you know, it's so weird the way things just just wash off them. You know, it's like water off a duck's back. You know, if my business partner had done what that guy did to, to the, this other one, I, I, I'd go kill him, right? If, if they treated my wife the way that, that the mother-in-law treated, you know, it's like people, people would, Jesus wants us to, to be the people that others look at and say, I don't know how they do that. How can they be so forgiving? Jesus is, is telling the church, he wants us to stand out in this way. He wants us to be uh, different from the surrounding community. And I know churches, churches. I think a lot of us have been in the church that doesn't communicate that, that we actually come across as very judgy, right? But Jesus says that it is actually the opposite. It is not judgy, but forgiving that should characterize the church. He wants the world to look at the church and say, those people are so forgiving, so we do it not just because it's good for us, but because it is what Jesus has called the church to be. 
And that's why he gives us his help, so that we can achieve something that may be more than we can carry on our own. So, pick a date, and today's a great date. Pick a date and say, at that date, I will no longer carry this on my books. You don't owe me anything. Do it because it's good for you, and do it because it bears witness to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, forgiveness is not natural to us, but the scriptures teach us that it is natural to you, and you are making us into people who are like you. So Lord, help us to to be like children, to say, I don't know how dad does it, but I'm going to try and be like my dad. Help us to be forgiving. Help us to to be healthier and to live uncluttered lives. But help us also to show that you are God who acts in people's lives and makes them do what others cannot understand. We pray it all through Christ our Lord. Amen.